Welcome to episode 127 of the Search with Candor podcast, recorded on Friday the 3rd of September 2021. My name is Mark Williams-Cook, and today we're going to be talking about some SEO resources in terms of courses, articles, and tools in relation to recent news that's come out about SEO, some of Google's title tag changes, all the things you need to handle these kind of changes. We're also going to be talking about duplicate link detection and a new feature of the Majestic tool, which is looking really interesting in terms of backlink research and why it's still one of my favorite tools. Before that, I am proud to tell you this podcast is very kindly sponsored by the lovely people at Sitebulb. Sitebulb, if you haven't heard of it, is a desktop-based SEO auditing tool for Windows and Mac, and maybe one day Linux, we never know. Um, If you haven't heard of it, it's a tool we've used in our agency for years now. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, It does kind of like what your traditional SEO crawlers do, but it gives you all of the issues it thinks it's found. It categorizes them, it prioritizes them for you. There's related help sections that Sitebulb have written, which are really in detail, like almost SEO course in the detail of the issues they cover. And they give you different ways to communicate this. So you can export stuff to Excel. You can put it straight into Google Sheets, into PDFs. It's an absolutely brilliant tool. They've got a free trial on their website. But if you're listening to this podcast, you can go to sitebulb.com forward slash SWC. And you can get an extended 60-day trial of their software. So it's two months, no credit card required. So you've got a totally obligation-free test to see if you like it. If you haven't tried it before, strongly recommend you do. It is an excellent tool. That all said, let's get on with this week's episode. I promised tools and resources, and that's what we're going to jump straight into This is something I've shared with quite a few people this week and I'm surprised not as many people as I had expected had stumbled across it or been shared it before, which is a really cool JavaScript bookmarklet by Fede Gomez. And what it does is when you do a Google search, you can click on this bookmarklet and it will pull through the page title that was actually specified by the webmaster by the page and underlay it in red against the title that Google is showing in its search results. So what is this for? As we know, we've covered it in the last couple of episodes. Google has been changing out title tags way more aggressively than they ever have done before. And what this tool allows you to do is on any search term, instantly compare the webmaster editor, the writer's specified title versus the one Google is showing. So it's a really quick way to firstly see if Google has changed anything, but it's also really nice to start building up an idea of how Google is changing these titles. So when I shared this, I immediately got feedback from people that has been discussed in the SEO community, but these people just immediately picked up, which was, oh, I noticed that Google's putting the brand name a lot in the title. And it's quite interesting just 
being able to learn these patterns because you're exposed to them time and time again with this kind of bookmarklet is a similar thing to if you have something like Keywords Everywhere installed because I'm seeing search volumes for everything I type in day in, day out, I actually get pretty good at just estimating what a search volume might be based on things I've seen before. And I think that's a good good thing to kind of expose yourself to constantly, which is just how Google is trying to change these, these title tags. So it's, it's on GitHub, it's a GitHub gist, and I will post a link to it in our show notes. So if you go to search dot with this will take you to all of our podcast transcripts and at the top of each transcript you'll find a list of links of key things we've talked about in this episode so you can just jump straight in you don't have to dig through the transcription you can just find the links and the people normally that we've spoken about too will be linked up at the top there of course if you do prefer reading it we do go to the time and effort of putting transcriptions of every single episode there's normally a few days lag between when the podcast goes live on a monday and when the transcription's live which is usually later in the week but if you do prefer reading them they will be there and live so if you check out this github link if you don't use get github um it may seem a little bit frightening when you first get there and you're kind of wondering what on earth you're meant to do with this javascript code but it's actually really simple if you're using something like chrome all you actually have to do is drag where you see the code onto your bookmarks bar and this will give you a new little bookmark icon then you can go to Google, do your search, and all you have to do is click on that bookmarklet. It will execute that JavaScript and do everything for you. So it's actually really simple. I kind of prefer this to some of the, shall we say, less known SEO extensions because there is always a concern that if you're giving these permissions to SEO extensions, they can essentially see everything you can see in your browser. So I sometimes have some worries about installing Um, extensions just kind of from random people you don't have that issue when you're using these kind of bookmarklets so I think it's a really nice really nice elegant little solution for what is quite a simple thing so as I say the link will be there in the show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk the next thing I want to present to you as a resource is actually a course and it's a free course which is the best kind of course in my opinion and it's a brilliant course on local search by Claire Carlisle. So anyone in the SEO community probably will have heard of Claire before. She has built herself quite a reputation for being an expert in local search and she has just released a new course on Bright Local Academy called How to Master Local Keyword Research. So I'll just read you the excerpt about the course so you can see if it's for you and it says this highly practical course has been created in collaboration with local search expert Claire Carlisle newcomers to local keyword research can use this course as a step-by-step guide while industry veterans will find a wealth of new techniques and tools to take their skills to the next level so this course does you know this isn't just for brand new people um if you have been working in local search for a while this could well be worth you looking at as well so there's nine sections to this course which roughly cover how to write a seed keyword list how to expand that keyword list using free tools 
how to create a comprehensive keyword profile and then bucket your keywords and prioritize them. This is what Claire has to say about the course. I've always found keyword research to be a fascinating process of discovery and I love the opportunity to take a deep dive into the art and science of putting together a keyword list for local business. By the end of this course, you'll have assembled a solid list of keywords, you have mapped those keywords against user intent and the marketing funnel, you have prioritized your list and you'll be ready to go about optimizing your existing content and putting together new content to plug your content gaps. As you can probably imagine, the link to this course will be in our show notes, search.withcanda.co.uk. And if you haven't already, if you're on Twitter, I highly recommend you connect with Claire, who's at Claire Carlisle. Again, linked in the show notes. She's a really good, helpful person to uh, be in contact with if you are working on local campaigns. The last resource I want to offer you is kind of in response to an article that I found on Search Engine Roundtable, which was entitled Google pre-rendering with Googlebot. You don't need all your site's functionality to work. And this was based on a question from Twitter that Martin Split answered. And there was two questions, actually. The first one was, when pre-rendering for Googlebot, does all site functionality need to work as it would for a user? Does add to cart need to actually add to cart? Does the mobile menu need to open when clicked on? And Martin's answer to this, as you'd expect, is not for Google search. And of course, completely agree with that, understand it, as I'm sure you do. You know, we don't need Googlebot being able to add things to the cart. Um, the second question was, testing and the content is in the DOM but does not quote unquote work. When you go to open the hamburger menu, for instance, on the pre-rendered version, some things like quote unquote read more and drop downs do not work. Will this be an issue for indexing and or ranking? And Martin Split has just answered no. Now, I'm sure of course that's correct. There are not gonna be any issues with indexing pages if they have internal links to them they're going to be discovered and there's not going to be any you know issues stopping them ranking from working with many developers over many years i foresee that this tweet is probably going to be not taken out of context but maybe the nuance ignored in some internal development decisions so as we know, and I don't think any SEO would disagree with this, things like internal links are super important to letting search engines, users understand what following pages are about. So, you know, really happy when we can use internal anchor text that's great and cross-link between articles outside of main menu structures, things like this. Now, obviously, this is kind of what this is referencing as well. So some things like read more could quite easily be um, quite easily be read or understood or interpreted as if we need JavaScript or the pre-rendered version to make those links appear and they don't really work otherwise, that's fine. Now, if it's going to result in an objective loss to the fidelity of the internal linking across the site, I would argue, while yes, it doesn't create any problems with indexing and quote-unquote ranking, however you want to define that, I would say it's definitely not optimal. And obviously SEO is about making the site optimal for search. 
JavaScript and crawling, indexing, rendering is probably the, I think, one of the most complicated subjects for SEO. And this is why I wanted to recommend this resource, which funnily enough is actually by Sitebulb and it's called How to Crawl JavaScript Websites. Again, link will go in the show notes at search.withcanda.co.uk. And it talks about how Google handles rendering, how Sitebulb handles rendering, side effects of crawling with JavaScript, how to detect JavaScript websites, how to detect JavaScript dependence, and a whole load of other further reading links. So I would have this in my arsenal for if I was working with and trying to maybe educate developers that haven't dealt maybe with Google and JavaScript issues before, because it's a really great resource. And it will hopefully open up some helpful discussions that it's not as simple as just saying these bits of the site don't need to work. Because it, in my experience, the sites that do work harder, making all this JavaScript stuff um, not be a reliance, do tend to rank better um, and just has less issues. We know Google is improving and improving every single year on the execution rendering and how long it takes to get the JavaScript done. But especially if you're serving up um, content, especially for Googlebot, it can cause issues if you are missing bits of your site, in my experience. Either way, it's a good idea to have a look at this resource. They've spent a lot of time on it. um, And in my opinion, it's one of the best articles on crawling and JavaScript about. So check it out. Links in the show notes, search.withcounder.co.uk. We're at the midpoint in the show, so I want to give you an update from our podcast sponsor, Wix. You can now customize your structured data markup on Wix sites even more than before. Here are some of the new features brought to you by the Wix SEO team. Add multiple markups to pages. Create the perfect dynamic structured data markup and apply it to all pages of the same type by adding custom markups from your favorite schema generator tools or modify templates by choosing from an extensive list of variables. Easily switch between article subtype presets in blog posts and add quick link for structured data validation in Google's rich results test tool. Plus, all this is on top of the default settings Wix automatically adds to dynamic pages like product, event, forum posts, and more. There's just so much more you can do with Wix, from understanding how bots are crawling your site with built-in bot log reports to customized URL prefixes and flat URL structures on all product and blog pages. You can also get instant indexing of your homepage on Google, while a direct partnership with Google My Business lets you manage new and existing business listings right from the Wix dashboard. Visit wix.com forward slash SEO to learn more. Let's talk about duplicate link detection because there is a specific update to one of my favorite link tools, which is Majestic. Um, Majestic to me is kind of, I guess, one of the original link tools and I think is maybe not as popular as it used to be. Now there are some big competitors like Ahrefs and I know SEMrush have just revamped their backlink database. So the competition's hot, but 
I've always kept my subscription to Majestic uh, because I particularly like the trust metrics they use. I find they are um, one of the better metrics in terms of correlation to how important links are. Their index has always been brilliant in terms of size and the types of links they're returning. And they really are quietly working away on some really interesting things with their tool and their data. They're not sitting on their hands. So this latest feature they've added is around duplicate link detection. And this is part of a bigger project Majestic is undergoing, which is looking at the fidelity of their backlink data. So the web has grown massively over the last decade and there's a lot more noise in backlink data and that's certainly visible now in terms of you can't just look at the number of links a site has and expect this to really be in any particular way correlated to how well it's ranking and especially when we come on to this this duplicate link subject and trying to pick out what are the important bits of link data and which are the good links and trying to sift through that noise is, is quite time consuming. So I'm just going to read you a little bit of the announcement to make sense of what this new feature is and why it's important, which starts on what is duplicate link detection. So this is from the Majestic blog, again, which we'll link to in our show notes. This release marks the next stage of our 2021 Backlinks Fidelity project, which aims to provide better clarity and focus our index on providing high fidelity backlinks data. We've added labels to backlink data from the fresh index in Site Explorer, which shows if a link is similar to others on the same site. Duplicate link detection works at source domain level. The algorithm behind this is complex, but can be summarized as follows. It analyzes all the backlinks from that source domain to a given URL on a different domain. This analysis assigns a duplicate status at link level to backlink data. And then there's six different labels they can apply, which are distinct. And that's defined as either a unique backlink or the most notable link from a set of duplicates on a site. There is notable duplicate, which is a link that appears to be a copy of another link from the same site, but is on a page that transfers trust flow and citation flow. Trust flow and citation flow are Majestic's own compound metrics for measuring link importance. Then there's redirect. The link has been redirected by an intermediary and hence the duplicate nature is uncertain. Pending classification, the link analysis process takes longer than the fresh index takes to build, so there may be a number of links that are yet to be classified. Cannot be classified, which is the algorithms haven't been able to classify the link, of course. And non-notable duplicate, which is this link appears to be the same as a higher ranked link on the same site in a different location. It carries insufficient link equity to be considered notable. And then they go on to say, we've spent time tuning duplicate analysis and now feel the results are ready to share with you. The link analysis appears to spot distinct and notable links effectively over various sizes of website. The link level analysis is so sharp it can identify the difference between a distinct link and a notable duplicate link on the same web page. 
the complete breakdown of how many external inbound links have been placed in each category can be found in the backlinks breakdown section of Site Explorer summary for any domain URL or subdomain search. And I just want to read you this last bit on their blog, which is entitled Better Than Sitewide, because this really gets into the or gives you an overview of how they've got into the long grass about this uh, about this subject and why it's maybe not as simple as it appears on the surface. And they say one of the most familiar forms of duplicate links in SEO are site-wide external links. Many SEOs will recognize and understand the term site-wide link without a second thought. However, like so many challenges in link analysis, the nature of a site-wide link becomes complex when subjected to scrutiny. The typical definition of a site-wide link is one that appears all over a website, normally in the navigation elements of web pages, sidebar, header, or footer. Some may go further and suggest that a site-wide link appears on all pages of a website. Let's think about that a little bit. If a site has 10,000 pages, 9,999 of which have a site-wide link and one page admits it, is it still a site-wide link? Of course it is. If the same site has a few pages added, so rather than one page, there are now 100 pages without a site-wide link, is the link still site-wide? Most would probably err on the side of agreement that a site with 10,099 pages, of which 9,999 have the same link, is a site-wide link. You can probably see where we're going. If you subject the concept of a site-wide link to scrutiny, then there is an implied threshold. Some level at which you can potentially have lots and lots of links from a site pointing somewhere, but all these duplicates don't qualify as site-wide. This then begs the question, how many links must link out from a site to qualify them as site-wide? 100, 1000, or 50%, 51%, 99%? We weren't happy assuming we knew the right threshold for site-wide detection needed to be. Our conclusion was, can you guess it? <laughs> it depends. We believe duplicate link detection leapfrogs site-wide analysis. Regardless of whether a duplicate link is detected on 20 pages or 200 pages, we feel it is worth flagging as such. And I think it's a really important um, really important thing they've brought up here and applying this to their kind of link indexes is a really quick way at actually reviewing the distinct important links that your sites that competitor sites have they've also got a little section at the end which is things to be aware of the blog post goes into detail about how you can find and export this data which i won't go through um, obviously if you you're using the tool that's where you want to read so things to be aware of We've tried to cover the key takeaways. However, in the interest of completeness, here are a few more details. We plan to add filtering options to the backlink and link context, context reports for duplicate link types in due course. Number two, initially, the duplicate classification will only be available via the interface and new style for export. Number three, we're not planning to offer the link duplication analysis in the API in the near future. Number four, noise reduction will be a link level operation. Referring domain counts and flow metric scores are highly unlikely to be impacted as a direct result. Number five, 
Eventually, reducing the number of data rows in our index provides the opportunity for us to store more data. We want to then use that to expand the window of the fresh index beyond the current four-month window. Doing huge volumes of calculations is hard. Duplicate link analysis is performed by algorithms with little or no human involvement. We're delighted with the results of this project, but please do ensure you perform your own checks prior to placing reliance on heuristically generated data. So that duplicate link analysis is available in Majestic Site Explorer as of now. So if you've, if you've got the tool, you haven't looked at it, go do that, you can find it. I really like it because one of the things I do when we're, for instance, onboarding a new client, we're doing competitor research, and we're trying to work out on the kind of link side where we sit, that immediate ratio I look at is how many links do these competitor sites have and how many domains are they from. So even if you've got sites, you know, where they've got 200,000 links, but then that's only coming from 200 domains, that to me is a lot less worrying than a site maybe with 50,000 links, but they come from 15,000 different domains. So that's something that SEOs hopefully already look at in terms of trying to work out how competitive an area is and what kind of output you're going to need, what kind of coverage, what kind of links you're going to need to bring yourself on an equal footing. And I think this tool is going to give a competitive advantage to people trying to do that. So do check it out. If you haven't used Majestic before, I definitely recommend it as a tool to add to your tool set. As I said, whether you're using something like SEMrush or Systrix we've talked about before or Ahrefs, uh, Majestic to me does sit on equal footing um, and in some places stronger than these other tools. That is the end of episode number 127. I was actually thinking this week, every time I record a new episode, I have to put in which season we're on and we're still kind of on season one even though we're on episode 127 I never really planned for seasons however there is something coming in terms of I'm going to change the format of this podcast soon um, hopefully for the better and that will mark I guess where our season two starts so we might have a short break while we just test that out and run it but I will class that at whatever random hundred number we're at as a nice point to break into season two. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, Do subscribe if you haven't already. Tell a friend, all that lovely stuff. And I hope that you'll join me in a week's time, which will be Monday, the 13th of September. Have a great week.